I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sun shines ever bright. I'll need no heavy garments, I'll just wrap my robe around. When I receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, March 14th, 2018, and I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy days uh, to join us for this uh, daily Bible study as we look at Luke chapter 3 today. Uh, as with all the previous videos, if you're watching this after it's live, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're watching it while it's live or after it's live, we ask that you please share this video with your friends and family here on Facebook and invite others to join in this study with you as well. Uh, as I mentioned before, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 3 today, and if you see the post uh, information there on uh, Facebook, uh, we find uh, a couple of things here in Luke chapter 3. Uh, one of those things is the genealogy of Jesus, and it's very different from what we see in Matthew. So we're going to look at that, why it's different. Uh, we're also going to look at something with John the Baptist, and a continuing theme that we see throughout the book of Luke, uh, in Luke's account in Acts as well, uh, regarding salvation and uh, the uh, who it's available for. So let's go ahead and get started and look at Luke chapter 3. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of uh, Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tra uh, tetrarch of Abilene, that's not Texas, uh, during the high priesthood of Annas and, and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall be shall see the salvation of God. He said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what, shall the, what then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And what? And, and we, what shall we do? 
And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, has uh, his brother's wife, Philip's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he, uh, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So here we have Luke's account, very briefly, of the baptism of Jesus. Um, and again, it's very brief, not a whole lot of detail. But again, we have the details surrounding that in, in both Matthew and Mark's accounts here. And the same to, uh, same principles we see here um, in, in Luke as well. Now, something interesting, though, that, that Luke points out is a little bit different from Matthew and Mark's accounts is, is that of um, uh, John the Baptist's preaching. And what he's preaching. So when John preaches about baptism, he's connecting sin and repentance. Uh, well, uh, for the forgiveness of sins and repentance, I should say, not sin and repentance. Of course, they are connected because you need to do that to get rid of it. But he connects the forgiveness of sins with repentance. Um, now, of course, we think about that and say, yeah, of course, that that makes sense. But um, this is something that Luke talks about a lot in, in the, throughout the book of Luke, as well as Acts, especially when talking about baptism and the forgiveness of sins that's available through that, as we see in the book of Acts. Now, John preaches here, as we see, as we see on the screen here, this is from Isaiah chapter 40. Now, Mark and Matthew's accounts both contain this same preaching, but what they don't contain is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5, which is what uh, Luke... Um, contains here in, in verse 6 um, regarding uh, uh, the salvation uh, of God. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now this is unique to Luke. Now this, as I mentioned in the post-text of this, this continues the theme that we've seen in, in chapters 1 and 2 um, about um, the universal appeal of salvation through Jesus. Um, the, the angel tells Mary about this. Um, the uh, the prophet, uh, I think he's called a prophet. Yeah, the, yeah, the prophet in the in the temple, um, Simeon, um, talks about it as well. Um, so we we've seen this theme already, but John the Baptist is is also preaching this that that salvation, all flesh shall see the salvation of God, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. Um, now, he, he teaches the crowds, he tells them to bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And he tells them, he says, you know, leaning on the fact that, that Abraham is your father, that's not going to save you. That's not going to do you any good. Because God has the ability and the power to take these stones and turn this into a generation 
for Jesus. God doesn't desire a physical generation. He desires a spiritual heritage of people that are willing to and are going to obey him. And so they are supposed to live, and this is what John is, teach, John is teaching here, that, that they are to live in ways that prove their repentance. And on the, the alternative, that on the flip side of this, those who are unwilling to do that, unwilling to repent, unwilling to bear fruit in this way, then their consequences are not so good, right? It says, um, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's a serious warning. And so in response to this, you have three different groups of people. It's referred to as the crowds, but those three different groups is you just have the normal crowds and then you have a, seemingly a crowd of tax collectors and a crowd of soldiers. And all three of them ask, what shall we do? And if you think about it and you look at Luke's account in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, the same question is asked when they are posed with the same dire warning. What should we do? Peter, in Acts chapter 2, tells them to repent and be baptized, to be saved from this wicked generation. Repent and be baptized. The forgiveness of sins. But John, who baptizes with water, is preaching and teaching on repentance. He tells the rich to share with the needy. Emphasizing compassion on those who are, are less fortunate, those who are poor. He tells tax collectors to do them to do their jobs ethically, to do the right thing that they're supposed to do. Notice he doesn't tell them to quit their job, but to do it in an honest way. He tells the soldiers to treat others respectfully, not to take advantage of them because they have a position of strength, a position of power and authority, but instead uh, be content with what they are given for the job they are doing. Very similar to the tax collectors. Don't take what's not yours. Again, they're not told to stop being soldiers, but to be responsible and to do what they're supposed to do. Bear good fruit. See, we can all bear good fruit in the jobs that we have. Now, there are some jobs that are probably not very good for bearing fruit, and we won't get into that. And those are jobs that you should probably consider leaving. But, in almost every job that is a wholesome job, you can bear good fruit. You can do your job the way you're supposed to do. Not complain, but serve as if you are serving the Lord. Now, let's look at the genealogy of Jesus that Luke uh, records here, in, starting in verse 23. So I'm going to read through this. There's a lot of names, and I can't guarantee that I'm going to get them all right. Um, but what I want you to do is, as we're reading through this, you can either watch the screen and watch the words you know, that are on the screen, or you can turn over to your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. And as I'm reading through Luke's account, go through Matthew's account. See if you can put any pieces together here. Verse 23. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jani, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Elsi, er, Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Mattathias, the son of Simeon, the son of Joash, the son of Jodah, the son of Jodan, 
uh, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kasim, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Mattathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah. You're hearing some familiar names in here, right? These aren't the same people. These are just common names. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. Now I lost my place. Let's start over. I'm just kidding. Verse 30. The son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Mattatha, uh, the son of Nathan, the son of David. All right. So we've gotten to David now. So if you're reading through Matthew, we're at David. Okay. Notice that Luke is going in reverse order. He starts at Jesus and he goes backward. Matthew starts at Abraham and goes forward. So um, you should be somewhere in the middle of Matthew. Uh, Matthew's account. Verse 32 here of Luke 3. The son of Jesse, David. The son of Jesse. The son of Obed. The son of Boaz. The son of Salah. The son of Nashon. The son of Amminadab. The son of Adam, or Admin. The son of Arni. The son of Hezron. The son of Perez. The son of Judah. The son of Jacob. Here you go. Jacob and Judah. All right the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Now that's where Matthew's account stops. Luke continues. Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalil, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now, what is the difference between Matthew and Luke's accounts? There's a lot of difference. They don't match up really well, do they? So let's talk about that. Why don't they, why don't they match up? Well, first of all, uh, Matthew's account is tracing the legal lineage of Jesus. Let me pull up for you a chart that I uh, got from Apologetics Press today uh, and kind of break this down for you here. So you have Matthew's account on the left, Luke's account on the right here. Um, now, both accounts, uh, as you can see uh, in the top portion of that, record the same people once you get past David. Now again, Luke's account goes all the way back to Adam, son of who? God. So you have a bookend. You have son of God, Jesus, son of God, Adam. Jesus is a bloodline relative through Mary because Luke is recording the maternal line of Adam. It's pretty cool. But not only that, do we, we have the blood lineage through Mary to David and to Abraham. So, Matthew's account traces Jesus' legal lineage through Joseph the father. And that's how uh, Jewish culture traced inheritance, traced lineage, is through the fathers. And so legally, to, to be able to legally inherit the throne of David, which is as per the, the Messianic prophecies here, um, Jesus had to be a, a, a direct line descendant of David. So in Matthew's account, what we see is we see that Joseph was a direct line blood descendant of David, and therefore 
uh, legally connected to David's throne. And uh, according to Apologetics Press, this is the precise purpose of Matthew's genealogy. It demonstrates Jesus' legal right to inherit the throne of David. A necessary prerequisite to authenticating his messianic claim. However, an equally critical credential was his blood and physical descendant from da- or descent from David. It is a point that cannot be established through Joseph because, as Matthew 1 verse 18 says, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, meaning sexually came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. The child is not Joseph's. The child is not uh, the result of Joseph and Mary procreating. So, Jesus needs a blood physical descent to the throne. And we find that in Mary's lineage, who is also a blood descendant of David. So both the blood of David and the throne of David were necessary variables to qualify and authenticate Jesus as the Messiah. This is important because of the because of the um, prophecy uh, that is fulfilled in this. Now, one of the questions, and you can see it in the chart down there, uh, at the very beginning of this, it's in verse 23, it says that Joseph is the son of Heli. Now, Matthew's account says Joseph is the son of who? Jacob, right? Well, Joseph can't be the son of Heli, too. Heli is Mary's father. So how is Joseph a son of Heli? Well, we have to understand the, the use of the term son in Jewish culture. There was no Hebrew word. There was no word for son-in-law. Instead, they just called them son. And for many, that tradition continues today. Um, and so the account is not false. It's not misleading. That is who Joseph was. As a son-in-law to uh, Heli, he is considered a son. And again, the males are the focus, even though Mary is truly the the, uh, the background of this. Now, I also wanted to show this chart because of the connections. You see, this uh, lineage is together until you get to David. And David's lineage splits off, uh, or I'm sorry, Matthew's lineage and, and Luke's lineage split off at David. Matthew's lineage goes through Solomon Luke's lineage goes through Nathan, both uh, both David's sons. Um, and I have to look, I believe. Give me one second here. I don't remember where it was. There was a, a something said about Jehoiakim and the throne, um, and I can't find it right now. If I find it again, I'll I'll put it uh, I'll put it in the comment section later. Um, but ultimately, uh, what we have here is the split of of the lineage of Jesus at Sol- at David 
Um, Matthew goes through Solomon. Luke goes through Nathan. They come back together, though, uh, at Shealtiel and Zerubbabel. Um, and there was an intermarriage there, as you can see in the chart. And then they split again with Zerubbabel's sons. Matthew's line goes through Abiad, uh, uh, and Mary's uh, lineage, Luke's lineage, goes through Risa. Uh, and then they come back together once again at Joseph and Mary. Um, of course, Joseph not being the biological father uh, of Jesus, but rather the adopted father. So there we have uh, some reasoning as to why we have the two different accounts. Uh, and if you look back really through Luke's account, and even Matthew's account, Luke's account of the birth of Christ focuses heavily on who? Mary. And uh, Matthew's account focuses heavily on who? Joseph. And the dreams of Joseph. So you have Luke's account who's very much so going through uh, Mary's eyes, and, and, and Mary, you know, as the mother of Christ, seemingly her eyewitness testimony of, of all of this, um, so you have that, that double connection. You have the connection through Joseph. You have the connection through Mary. And let me just tell you, I'm not a, I'm not a mathologist. I'm not a status, stat, statistician. The odds of this happening, the odds of this pair connecting with the lineage that they have, I... I can't say that that ha could be anything more than God. Obviously it is, because he deemed it to be so. But the prophecies that are fulfilled in this are just mind-blowing. I mean, if you, if you just stop and you think, honestly think about it, this couldn't just come by happen chance. This, does, this just isn't... Oh look, this guy that was this this child that is born just so happens to connect to uh, David and Abraham um, through both parents. So he's you know direct line descendant of of David in both cases. And wow, I just can't get to a point that says that that is happens chance. It's not. There are more than 200 prophecies that Jesus fulfills in his life. This is just the beginning. So I hope this uh, has kind of jump-started your study a little bit, maybe get you into some other uh, sides of, uh, of the Bible, maybe looking back into Isaiah, looking back, back into Matthew a little bit, looking at these genealogies, and, and looking at the little context clues that we have within these writings thus far, uh, to be able to kind of better understand um, the, the, the aspects and, and, and the audience that, that they're speaking to. Um, as I mentioned before, if you have any questions about all this, please drop those in the, in the comment section, um, and, uh, and I'll be happy to get back to those. And I'll look for that, uh, that uh, reference to, um, I think it was Jehoiakim. Um, I'll look for that, and I'll, I'll put that in the comment section down below as well. I'll also put an article, uh, or I'll put a link to the uh, Apologetics Press article that I quoted in this, uh, where I got this chart from uh, as well. So you can kind of use that to help uh, broaden your study a little bit as well. Apologetics Press is a fantastic resource uh, to look at some of the questions that you may have as you're going through your study. Like, why, why is this said this way, or do, is this actually a contradiction, that sort of thing. Um, so uh, a great, great resource there. ApologeticsPress.org. Uh, is where you can find that. 
Another great website that you can visit is loveland.church. That's our website. You can find out all the information you can uh, about our church that meets here in, in Loveland. It's Christ's Church. We just attend it, and we're just members of it. Uh, but you can also uh, find on there uh, the previous daily Bible studies that we've gone through throughout the books of Matthew, throughout the book of Mark, uh, and, uh, of course, the previous lessons that we've gone through so far in Luke. You can also check out previous sermons. Uh, that we've done as well. And if you'd like, you can subscribe to the podcast versions of those uh, and have them delivered to you uh, on your mobile device. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if you have the opportunity this evening, we will be gathering together at 7 p.m. for a time of uh, uh, Bible study as we look at the life of Christ. We're well past the birth. Uh, We're in Luke. uh, And so uh, if you'd like to join us for that, uh, you can Uh, You're more than welcome again tonight at 7 p.m. here at the building, uh, and uh, we hope to see you then. Have a good day. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sunshine's ever bright. I'll need no heavy garments, I'll just wrap my robe around. When I receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown.